You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, welcome to today's episode of the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm Grant Goldberg, joined by Spike Friedman. Spike, you know, there's been actually a lot going on in the NFL. There's, you know, rule changes, uh, big players coming into the NFC West, and the Seahawks have made some some small signings, but it's 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 going to be interesting going into the, the football season this year. But uh, before we start the show, you know, we'll give a little introduction of ourselves. Uh, my name is Grant Goldberg. I do social media for Forum Blue and Gold, a website that covers the Lakers, and Ugh. I just do this podcast. Ugh. Sorry. And just every time you remind everyone you're a Lakers fan, I have to groan audibly so that no one thinks that I am a Lakers fan. It's really important to me. I'm Spike Friedman. I write about sports for The Stranger. I do other stuff in my life, uh, but... That's that's what the sports writing I do right now is, and I really don't like the Lakers. I also don't like, I don't like the way that the NFC West is shaping up. No. Right, now. I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I don't hate the Seahawks offseason. We talked about it last week. We had a great episode with Danny Kelly that I think is still relevant. You should go back and listen to if this is for some reason your first locked on Seahawks sports experience. But I mean, look, the Seahawks had to trim pretty deep you know i don't think they've cut into bone yet in terms of roster construction as long as they don't do anything dumb with earl thomas i think that we will continue on that trajectory of like we made hard but necessary choices but just looking around the division i'm like oh man every well i mean the rams in particular are just good like you see that they're good yeah we we made the argument a lot of the time last year that you know we're waiting for the rams to kind of plateau and it just seems like they got even better this yeah. offseason. It doesn't seem like it. No, they they definitely did, at least on paper. Uh, I mean, you you sign someone like Indomitian Sue, you trade for Marcus Peters and Aqib Tlaib with Wade Phillips as your defensive coordinator. You know, that's going to be trouble for the whole NFC, the whole NFL. So we'll talk about that a little later. But the Seahawks made some transactions uh, over the past week. They, uh, I think most notably... Uh, they re-signed Mike Davis, which yeah. we, we both agree is a good move. I think yeah. that we're going to – he's a good depth running back. You know, you need some guys to uh, to help offset the load carried by one guy who I think the Seahawks will probably draft this year. Um, aside from Davis, they re-signed Marcus Smith, and they signed two former Minnesota Vikings defensive tackles. We have Tom Johnson and Shamar Steffen. Uh, both guys that are not really, you know, household names, but they'll provide good depth along the line. But uh, we'll stick with Mike Davis for a second. Spike, how do you feel about this uh, this move? It's a good move. I think it's pretty clear that the team at running back last year was not great. But no. the Chris Carson, J.D. McKissick, and Mike Davis were the bright spots. And I think it's good that those are – I mean, I don't know actually about McKissick. But I know that Davis and Carson will now be back. You supplement that with another young back. You get young at that position. It's not a position where 
for the most part right now in the NFL, veterans are dominating. I mean, you've got some very special players and guys like LaShawn McCoy, and that's pretty much the list. There aren't a lot of guys out there like <laughs> LaShawn McCoy. So I'm glad the Seahawks are not spending what little cap space they have on any sort of uh, – on like any sort of like veteran running back, another Eddie Lacy situation. I think Mike Davis is solid. Yeah, uh, we saw some some good. I, I wouldn't say like spectacular play, but definitely like above what the what the Seahawks running backs, you know, the bar that they set. He he often you know just went above that level, but obviously mm-hmm. you know when you have a running back group like that, you know it's it's not a very high bar. Yeah. Um, but he had, I, I went on record saying that he had the, some of the least bad runs by Seahawks running back, uh, in 2017. Uh, Mike Davis is a fun guy. Uh, he's a fun Twitter follow if you, if you like Fortnite. Um, but I, I think that, you know, he's, like I said, he's a good depth signing. I totally forgot about Chris Carson. So his health coming back from the ankle injury is going to be, you know, something to watch because we saw Thomas Rawls come back a completely different player after he broke his ankle. So, uh, yeah, I, I still think they draft a guy, but you know, having Chris Carson back should help that room a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, hey, look, uh, good. I mean, look, w- w- again, if we're comparing ourselves to the Rams, the running back room is not what they have. You know, <laughs> no. we don't have a Todd Gurley. We don't have that great running back right now. So it's that sort of position where you need to churn the talent. Speaking of a position where we don't have the talent that we wish we did, and need to turn a defensive tackle, man. We brought in two new guys. Yeah, uh, Tom Johnson, who has like the least interesting name I've ever heard in my life. Uh, he was formerly with the Minnesota Vikings, as we said. Uh, he's he's definitely a solid guy. I, I, I was reading on you know Twitter and and Reddit that you know if his name wasn't Tom Johnson, he'd probably be a more popular player. But uh, he goes under the radar due to his name. I think a, a Minnesota Viking fan, and then Mike Chan really uh, brought this to light on Twitter. Uh, he said his if his name was Sebastian Thunderbucket, then uh, <laughs> he'd definitely make a lot more noise in the NFL. And I thought that was really funny. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of just waiting to see how he plays. You know, he's not really, uh, you know, a world beater by any means, but, you know, he should add good depth. And they signed another defensive tackle from Minnesota, right, Spike? Yeah, they sure did, and I am blanking on that person's name. Shamar Stephan. That's it. I I don't know why Shamar doesn't stick in my brain. Uh, yeah, it's a good – I mean, it's good to get depth guys exactly. from a, what was a really good defensive line last year. We, we talked about it last week, that the, the lack of depth on the Seahawks defensive line was incredibly concerning. Now that's really only true at the edge position where – between Deion Jordan and Marcus Smith, those guys could be good depth guys with, uh, obviously, Frank Clark as our best speed rusher. But we don't have that fourth sort of stud in a NASCAR package like yeah. Cliff Averill. Like, if Clark takes Cliff Averill snaps, we don't have the guy to be the Frank Clark of the, our system. We have the guys behind the guys, but we don't have that second guy. So I think that, again, like, I want to see us draft that second guy. But the D-tackle position you know, it doesn't look quite as dire as it did when Michael Bennett walked away. Yeah, you have... And by walked away, I mean was shipped out. Yeah, uh, but you, you, you bring in two new guys, but you, you'd probably expect bigger years from Jerron Reed, from Nas Jones, and, you know, kind of hope that these young guys take a bigger step. Uh, quickly, before we take a break, 
Uh, some other signings: the Seahawks signed wide receiver Jerron Brown, formerly of the Cardinals. Oh, yeah. That's happened this week. Uh, he's fast. Yeah, he's. Uh, I mean, like I said uh, about the other guys, they're not world beaters, but uh, they provide good depth. So it's good to have bodies in the room. Well, uh, and like wide receiver, like Jerron Brown could be more than just a body in a room, but he could also be nothing. So we'll see. Yeah. So for right now, we'll I'll label him as the body in the room. Uh, but before we get into the rest of the show, we'll take a quick break and then come right back to you. Welcome back to the Locked on Seahawks podcast. You're with Grant Goldberg and Spike Friedman, and we'll talk a little bit about the Michael Bennett incident that happened this week. Uh, he was indicted for an incident in Houston. Spike, can you shed a little more light on that? I mean... Kind of. Uh, <laughs> this all happened at the Super Bowl between the, the Patriots won over the Falcons. Um, Bennett had field access pass, tried to go on the field to celebrate his brother, apparently sort of pushed past a security guard who happened to be elderly. After Bennett last year got embroiled in controversy for being arrested for a crime he didn't commit. That was the controversy. Yeah. Having a gun pulled on him. Like, that's the controversy, is that he was arrested for a crime he didn't commit. Houston police, someone magically remembered that that person that he pushed by was uh, 65, and therefore they could indict him on a felony elder abuse charge that I believe that law was originally passed to prevent abuse in nursing homes. So, like, <laughs> they're indicting him on a charge to, like, prevent the plot of Happy Gilmore from happening for going into an area that he had a pass to get into. And it's just, like, the most specious charge. I mean, grand juries are liable to indict anybody if the police push hard for an indictment. That's just sort of the deal with our criminal justice system. And then they'll let a regular jury sort it out. This feels so so speechless like it just yeah. feels off i mean every part of it the timing on the reporting the specifics of the crime the way in which they indicted him the, the fact that it's a felony indictment the, the terminology too that the the police chief used is kind of just like appalling i'll i'll read a, a, something that he said this is houston police chief art acevedo uh, last friday yeah, Mr. Bennett may think that because he's an NFL player and some time passed, he may have thought that, number one, rules don't apply to him. Number two, he doesn't have to respect the dignity of a paraplegic woman who's trying to earn a living. Yeah. That seems charged. Yeah, it's... it's And it's just like, I mean, look, Texas cops are Texas cops. Like, Acevedo has a rough history of of inflating charges from his time in Austin before he went over to Houston. It's well-documented. Uh, and in Austin, obviously, it's a slightly different sort of populace there. So you've got a different... You've got a different type of, of like, watchdog situation there. So he got caught, basically, doing this sort of thing, like, overcharging people regularly. This is an overcharge at best. Um... I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah, like, like, have you ever been at a concert and, like, been in a crowd of people and, like, pushed through? Like, this is crazy. This is yeah. just, it's crazy. Um, So, like, I don't know. And it's just, it's it sucks. And I think it speaks to 
the politicization of Michael Bennett. Yeah. That is such a bummer because his message, while political, is actually not that controversial or shouldn't be that controversial. When you read his book, he's like, and to me, it's sort of like, and this is, we're diving into politics probably to a degree that we shouldn't, but it's sort of, yeah. a lot of his messages are like Michelle Obama's messages. They're like, eat healthy, love each other. General, they are, like, just well-being statements. Yeah, like, study science. Like, be creative. <laughs> like, these are, like, the chapters to his book. Like, it's like, ah, God. So, like, the fact that he's become so politicized, again, for getting arrested at gunpoint for a crime he did not commit that led to this thing like it's just a bummer yeah, it's it, just a bummer it just it's it seems calculated yeah and so th- that's where i'll leave it that's where we'll leave it because yeah. like we said we're probably venturing too deep into an area that's not football uh yeah, and yeah exactly i don't i don't want to i don't yeah yeah exactly yep. so we'll, we'll leave it at that uh michael bennett generally a good person uh should be perceived that way and unfortunately isn't by some people. And so, you know, after that, we'll, we'll take a short break and then continue with the rest of the show. Welcome back to the final portion of today's episode of the Lockdown Seahawks podcast. You're with Grant Goldberg and Spike Friedman, and we'll talk about two really bad things that the Seahawks are linked to. One, Indomitian Sioux signed with the Rams, a one-year $14 million deal. And two, uh, Trevon Boykin is in trouble again. He was cut by the team because of a, of a domestic violence uh, accusation. Uh, he uh, allegedly broke his girlfriend's jaw. Uh, he's vehemently denied it, but you know when you have a player with uh, such off-the-field history as Boykin, uh, there's, there's no way he should remain on the Seahawks roster or an NFL roster. Uh, I'm pretty you know clear-cut decided on that. I, I don't know if you have any... Uh, different feelings about that spike yeah i mean again the fact that it's multiple charges over time the fact that it's specifically domestic violence in this case it's not good um you know he's denying it and if he gets a day in court and is acquitted and atones for his you know down the road but i doubt it just realistically it's it's our God, we keep wading into heavy stuff, but it's like the NFL is willing to let great players atone for their mistakes. Um, they are not isn't that exactly. Personal. They're not usually willing to let good players atone for their mistakes. Um, and in this case, the the serial nature of it um, and the violent nature of this, uh, I you know, I don't think so. I'm not rooting for it. Uh, obviously, I'm rooting for him to be a better person. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's something that he has to take care of first and foremost. Uh, his history doesn't help him out when he's sitting there, you know, denying that it happened. You know, you look at his history and you, it's just hard to believe. So yeah. I think that's a that's a good place to leave it. I don't I, like you said. If he gets a day in let's, court, let's talk. Yeah. So let's let's get into football. Yeah. And Dominican Sue. Uh, uh, terrible! Why did we do this? This is even more. No, and it, it it sucks because you know one the Seahawks are still without that one disruptive defensive tackle, and John Snyder did say that they kicked the tires on on Sue, but they didn't they didn't sign him. Obviously, he went to the Rams. Uh, with his whole free agent tour, apparently he you know got more money offered to the Jet from the Jets, which sucks even more because he could have gone to the AFC, 
but he he decided he wanted to live that LA lifestyle, uh, be a teammate with Aaron Donald, which uh, from a player standpoint, you know, good for him. But from a Seahawks fan standpoint, oh, oh my gosh, you no, know, we need to get Russell Wilson some help. It's a nightmare. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, and so <laughs> this is the darkest angle, but I'm like, yeah, we better draft a good backup. Uh, we yeah. actually were linked to Lamar Jackson today, which would be if he slides out of the first round. I don't know. I still yeah, think we uh, should, like, target a backup in the third or fourth round. Um, you know, maybe get another Russell Wilson. The, the, team, the team actually, it was reported by Bob Condota, I think, uh, was – discussing the idea of bringing in Mark Sanchez, which is, yeah. you know, he's a guy obviously linked to Pete Carroll, linked to Brian Schottenheimer, went to AFC championships with him. Um, I mean, I guess he's like not the worst potential backup that they could sign, but obviously it's Mark Sanchez. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But we'll get back to more depressing. I mean, talk it's fine. Mark, yeah, exactly. Like, I love that this is the angle we're taking on the signing. It's like, who is going to back up Russell Wilson because he's going to get injured? Like, uh, I mean, hopefully Mike Solari is great. Hopefully things are great. Uh, hopefully our offensive line holds up those two games. But I think but uh, you... more more so than Russell Wilson, Ethan Posick is like, what the? Come on, man. Yeah. Like, two of them now. <laughs> well, and I really think like if you look at the Rams roster right now, what's interesting is that the positions where they're better than the Seahawks in a lot of spots. Yeah. And those positions are D-line, O-line, cornerback, running back. Running back. Yeah. I think those are the positions where they're clearly better. And what's interesting to me is that sounds like the places where Pete Carroll wants to be better. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that is where Pete Carroll does his work. It's he wants his trenches to be as good as possible. He wants to run the ball with physicality and he wants his corners to be the best in the league. Yeah, he wa- and right now he's sort of mirror battling a younger, faster version of himself. And it's tough. It's got to be tough for him yeah. to see this team that the Rams have put together, especially with good coaches in uh, McVay and Phillips, and be like, "Oh man, uh, I gotta go out there and you know get my guys to to be the versions of themselves they want to be." And it's funny because the Seahawks right now are better than the than the Rams at linebacker. They're better at quarterback. They're better at safety. They're, you know, the receiver rooms are pretty comparable right now, yeah. assuming that the Rams don't add Odell Beckham. So you're like sort of like the flashier positions on the field, the places where Pete Carroll, you don't think about him having the best guys always, safety notwithstanding, uh, were better than the Rams. Like Jared Goff is the thing that is holding the Rams back from being a Super Bowl favorite right now. They have a maybe okay quarterback there. He, he might be better than that, but, like, he's probably okay, and we've got a great quarterback. So, you know, it's just – it's a very interesting dynamic, I think, of the NFC West right now. It's 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 funny to me, too, because the positions that you that you named for Pete Carroll wanting to be, you know, dominant in the NFL, the, the running back, both lines, the cornerbacks, you know, part of that is what you want to have, you know, a, a good room for – for Brian Schottenheimer, you want to have a good O line and a good running back because you know that's what he'll do. He'll he'll run the ball, and so you know having that line, you need to you need to bolster it some way, add more depth, or you hope that guys like Ethan Postic take a step, Jermaine Effetti take a step. But uh, yeah, you know Pete Carroll and Schottenheimer they like to control the line of scrimmage, run the ball, and then Pete Carroll likes to uh, you know keep a keep a cover on the top keep everything in front of him so 
it's uh, it's like you said it's like looking a uh, uh, not clone of the Seahawks in the face but definitely a younger version a hungry version yeah. I think that the Rams we're done... we're the picture of Dorian Gray and they're Dorian Gray staying young and we're getting old and I, I don't like it I think that you know they've done a really good job in being ambitious in building their team and you know making these these types of moves to you know assemble just a lot of talent on the same roster. And then I think they have the coach in McVeigh that that you know speaks to them to to make that kind of thing work, and they have a guy like Wade Phillips to make that thing work, and so it the Rams are going to be tough for a long time. And yeah, it's you know like you said, it's dependent on Jared Goff if you know he makes that step to to propel him into Super Bowl favorites. Yeah, yeah, and I think. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to watch. I I don't think that the golf again, like we talked to, like quarterback, linebacker are pretty crucial positions in safety. Assuming we don't do anything stupid with Earl Thomas, this is locked on Seahawks, the official podcast of not doing anything stupid with Earl Thomas. This is locked on Earl Thomas. <laughs> yeah. So assuming that's the case, we're gonna be competitive with the Rams. I don't think it's gonna be worse than it was last year when yeah. they came up to Seattle and Bobby Wagner was hurt and they sort of. Uh, just ran right through us. I don't think that's going to happen again, assuming we can stay healthy. But um, I think they are legitimate favorites in the division in a way where like a team like San Francisco is still a year away. Like, yeah. I still think we are the second best team in the NFC West. I still think our over under on wins is eight and a half or nine. I think the Niners are more in a seven and a half win range and the Rams are in like a 10, 10 and a half win. Range. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that, and that's all just like off the dome, just looking at the rosters a little bit. Um, and who knows with the Cardinals? They got some pieces, and Sam Bradford will be healthy for four games. They'll start four and zero and finish five and eleven. Yeah. Um, but anyway, anyway, all that, look, uh, things could be better. Yeah, I think that the NFC West is is on its way back to being that one like just bloodbath of the of the NFC. And yeah. And you know, it was better when well, the Seahawks were clearly on top of that, but. Uh, it's it's definitely there's going to be a lot more parity within the division. The um, whole conference, man, the whole conference yeah. is good. Like you look at quarterback all over the conference, there is no team that doesn't have a guy they at least kind of like. I mean, the worst quarterback situations are Trubisky in Chicago and Eli Manning in New York, but New York could go out and get their next guy, and Trubisky could turn into a guy. So like, uh, there are guys all over the place, man. Guys and dudes all over the conference. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> but uh, I think I think that brings us to the end of the show. Unless there's anything you know outstanding that we forgot. Um, yeah, I think that we covered a lot of stuff. Uh, I think that we'll have to kind of wait and see on a lot of these on, on a lot of these people. We talked about Ed Dixon last week, right? I don't know. All right, I, Ed Dixon. Not... Yeah, he's a player. Uh, <laughs> He's a guy, but in a different way than those other guys or dudes. Yeah, I think that uh, that puts it well. So uh, <laughs> go on. If you like this show, if you like this podcast, do us a favor and go on iTunes, leave a five-star review. You can enter your Twitter handle in that review. It's not necessary, but if you want to, you can enter it in there, and you'll be entered to win a Pro Football Focus Edge membership. Did we check to see if our off-season pods have gotten into any five-star reviews? You no, know, I think that it's worth 
It's worth checking. Again, out. our pod last week with Danny was good. Yeah. And like you would learn a lot by going back and listening to it and then leaving a review after you listen to that one. Grant and I are great and deserve as many great reviews as you want to give us, no doubt. But uh oh, I think we might have. Uh no. No, we got it looks like we got another rating though, but not our full review. Ratings are good too, but uh we also like to hear your feedback. So, you know, whether that be in the form of a five-star review, that's great, or, you know, you reaching out to us on Twitter, which we've had, you know, a couple people do over the last couple of weeks, which is also great to hear. So uh, we want to thank you for listening to the show, and definitely stick with us, because we're going to be going, you know, weekly right now, but as the season, you know, creeps up, we'll yeah. start, you know, doing more shows. So And we're going definitely... to get some good guests as the draft approaches. I got yeah. a good feeling about some some stuff that... Is gonna happen. Ooh, a tease, a cliffhanger. <laughs> it was like half a tease. I'm like, there's some things are probably maybe gonna happen that are gonna be very exciting for the Lockdown Seahawks listeners at home. I don't know who this guy is. What is this character I'm doing? All right, I'll, I'll cut <laughs> us off. So for the Lockdown Seahawks podcast, I'm Grant Goldberg signing off, and I'm Spike Friedman also signing off. <laughs>